Fire from Farster, a podcast that talks about all the different ways you can help your print business lead the way. In each episode, we'll cover a range of topics such as the latest and greatest technologies for printers, industry trends, and knowledge that can help you run your business faster and smarter. So here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Inkspire podcast from Thorsten. We've done something a little bit different for this episode, as Thorsten's CEO, Keith McMurtry, hosted a Thorsten TV episode with myself and Kelvin Bell, Sales Director at B-Press. It was such a great episode, we thought we'd share some of it with the listeners of the podcast as well. We chatted about Industry 4.0, the fourth industrial revolution, and the effect it will have on print companies as we know them. So today I'm joined on the uh, the virtual remote couch by um, one of our colleagues, uh, Ross Edwards. So hi, Ross. Thanks for taking the time out today and joining us. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, great to be here. Great. And also I'm joined with uh, by Kelvin, um, who um, works for one of our long-standing and possibly long-suffering partners, B-Press. Hi, Kelvin. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. So um, why why are we uh, why are we here today and what we're going to be discussing? So as as suppliers of uh, print solution software, our shall we say raison d'etre is to help companies, print companies, digitize their business processes, automate their workflow, and so on. So and we're hearing more and more about uh, something called Industry 4, Industry 4.0, and how technology is used to create these um, smart factories, these smart print factories. But we wanted to offer a slightly different um, perspective, an alternative point of view, um, then, and, and, um, and recommend that you consider the role that the human beings play in, in, this, in this mix. So, well, first of all, you know, what is uh, Industry 4.0? Now, for many people, Industry 4 is the, um, the fourth industrial revolution, although there are a large proportion um, that still disagree. It's, a, it's actually a, an umbrella term that's used to um, that represents a fusion of technological advances that are transforming the world's manufacturing and production industries. Now, the third revolution was all about um, electronics, telecommunications, and of course, the use of computers and um, and using them for as, as the graphic shows, say, computer-controlled robots, which you know I think, um, uh, like say, building uh, epitomizes this particular industrial revolution. And it was a, a great stepping stone, um, the computer side of it, into Industry 4. And um, maybe, Ross, you know, you know, I just said that there is a, a, sometimes a bit of a disagreement that we're actually in that fourth industrial revolution. And maybe that's because we are in it. We're slap bang in the middle. It's very easy with a, a rear view mirror to, to see the different stages yeah. of the fire, but we are slap bang in the middle of it. I think I think you're right, Keith. There are a lot of detractors that kind of just you know are saying that th- this is just glamorising things that are already happening um, that have been happening for years. And, and actually, when as we go through this, when we look at elements and components of what Industry 4.0 is, you, you can see that. But I think what, if, if if you want to go back to the the, the first in, industrial re- you know the re- revolution of, of of water and mechanisation and steam power, water power. 
I'm quite sure at that point that didn't happen overnight and it would have been slowly, you know, that first invention of it and then slowly it started to appear in places to the point where then it just became the mainstay. And, and that's probably when the point when you go, that is a, a revolution because it's, 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 it's mass. And so I think you're right. It's because we're in it um, that maybe, yeah. maybe people are, are seeing that and, you know, you can definitely see examples of where where businesses are are already doing elements of this. Perhaps we'll never fully see it until we're actually in the middle of um, Industry 5.0. Exactly. And then we look back and go, and then all of a sudden we think this just happened overnight. But 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 every every revolution doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. But you know, whatever it is, and um, and however it does unfold over however many years, I'm guessing, Kelvin, that really the full magnitude of what it represents is, is, is not fully known yet. Absolutely. I mean, that first period was over 60 years, you know, that, that first phase. And what we're, what we're going through now hasn't just happened. It was identified in 2015. So it's something that's been happening all, all the time, and it's happening around us, whether we acknowledge it or not. You know, it, it, it really is. So it's affecting us all. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, and for everybody, you know, if you've, if you've seen or heard anything, let's take a look at what, what makes up those, those things. If you've, if you've seen or heard anything about Industry 4, you know, um, these sort of themes are, are at the heart of it, and these are what differentiate it from uh, the previous uh, revolution, you know, the sort of the computerising electronics and telecommunications. And, and when you look at this, you might, you might think, wow, you know, there's quite a lot. And, and really, are they, are they appropriate uh, to me in, in, my, in my business? Um, but when you dig into them, you know, personally, as, as I've, I've looked at them, I think, you know what, the vast majority, if not all in some, in some um, way or other, they are appropriate to the industry that, that we all actually take part in. So, you know, system integration is an obvious one. You know, whatever you might think of it, JDF certainly falls into that. It's it's the sort of the, the term given to open standards in a way of easily sharing information from one disparate system to another. And, and you know, as you said earlier, Ross, we have been living and breathing this for some time. And, you know, take another one that's a little bit more, uh, a bit newer, is something like additive manufacturing or 3D printing that um, that's really started to gather quite a bit of pace now. We're seeing it used for prototyping and personalization. So, you know, Kelvin, I'm sure, I'm sure you're, um, you're probably looking at thinking, well, the cloud, you know, you, you know quite a bit about the cloud. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the big thing about the cloud is that it's made some huge advances over the past few years. You know, the amount of processing capacity in the cloud is now paired up with the amount of accessibility. You know, we're, we're accessing the cloud from from now to what we're doing here through mobile devices, through to our smartwatches. So it's all around us. That's right. And, and I'm sure that both of you will have spoken to you know, you all speak to hundreds and hundreds of companies over the over the you know the many years that you've been in this game, and you, you'll you'll be you'll be able to think of those companies that have used these types of technologies, these themes, to become more innovative and and to to um, to seize opportunity when it presents itself because of their adoption of the, some of these um, some of these these things. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's like a, a, autonomous robots there. I, I can think of uh, several sites where I've been to where, the, you know, they've got the the, uh, the robot arms um, that are picking up great big sheets and putting them onto the flatbed. And then there's another, you know, another one that's taking it off and stuff. And that, that's, that, you know, automating that process and, and speeding it up and allowing the operators to concentrate on other things. So definitely seeing... Uh, seeing that come through, you know, uh, 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 the past few years where I've noticed these sort of things. Yeah, I mean, the, the theory is with industry four is that the the, the 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 result of these sort of smarter machines and you know more data is is shared and um, the systems get smarter and they get access to more information. The the factories will become more efficient, more productive. And you know, it, less wasteful, and it makes the the opportunity of a smart factory um, a reality. Mm. And Ross, I bet there's mm. things that you see in many of our customers that are already, you know, aspects of Industry Four that they're putting in place right now. Yeah, for definite. Um, when when I'm out on site and I'm talking to customers and seeing, you know, the the Industry 4.0 is, is kind of the part. Of it. It's about, as we know, that like the interoperability, people, machines, and uh, and other parts of information transparency. Um, and 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 then there's another area which is kind of like technical assistance. And, and so I'm seeing certainly for the you know larger manufacturers where um, the, 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 the the press itself, for example, the amount of automation that has come into that. Um, where it, it's, it's doing automatic plate changes, it's doing lots of presetting, it's 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 you know less reliant on the operator as such, or or needing as many operators. Uh, similar for other other equipment, but then we, we're seeing where that's then connected together with um, with JDF technologies, where we you know the, the, so it's it's talking to the MIS or talking to the workflow and bringing all these things. Um, Every aspect of a business, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this this happening. Um, but sometimes it might just be in one area of that business, maybe not not the whole whole business or the whole operation. So you might sometimes see a, a business that is they've automated the part of the production and great made some great efficiencies there. But the the administrative side of things, maybe that's where that's that there's, there's gaps to fill there, uh, taking away some of the rekeying or um, duplication and things like that. Well, I think that's an important point, isn't it? Because you know this graphic here shows that everything's been sort of run by robots, and obviously it's to illustrate a point. And you, mm. you know, it's when you join things up in that manufacturing area that you release people, you release those skills and that knowledge. And I know, Kelvin, you know when when we were chatting about this earlier, you know, you're a big sort of you're quite passionate about the the value that that exists in the workforce and how you know by by removing unnecessary steps, it's about being able to harness that value and that knowledge and skills so that you can be more innovative and handle more complex products or create new products and, and new things for, for the company. And, and if they're doing that mundane, repetitive job, they're trapped, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree with what Ross just said there as well. You know, people look at uh, diagrams like this, which is really informative, but it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you've got a workforce there that's got a skill set and it's done, it's done piecemeal, it's done by bit, by automating 
some of the processes. But if you use that skill force, that skilled force that you've got working for you, you can be more adaptable to embrace new diversification within the automation of the factory. So print 4.0 is about getting rid of people in my mind. It's about embracing new working working practices to change this and what this can do for your customers. Yeah, I mean, you know, we get the machines doing the simple stuff, the things that can be, you know, easily identified as, you know, repeatable, identifiable process steps. And then we use the sort of the humans to figure out the complex stuff to deal with, as you say, to deal with the exceptions. And, of course, ultimately, then reteach these these or these uh, this equipment, these systems, to reteach them these new rules so that that exception is no longer an exception. It's now a rule, and then we can focus on something else. One thing our industry is great at is coming at, coming up with new ways to break the rules um, and, and, and being innovative and, and, and new designs. And they're they're always pushing the boundaries in that respect. You know, being you know having its roots in in that sort of creative um, background, it, it causes that we're not doing the same thing over and over again. You know, this this image it shows sort of one person in the middle marshalling uh, everything and controlling the whole of this manufacturing process. And um, But, you know, is what, as the phrase goes, is a, people call it a lights-out factory. Is that something that do you think perhaps we actually um, want to aspire to or what we really need um, in our industry? It's, it's very easy, I think, to say, yes, you know, of course we do. That's, that's the utopia after all, right? But the embracing of of industry four things is I don't think it's not just about lights out automation. You know that it might never be a reality because we are all we're constantly breaking the rules. You know I, I talked I mentioned earlier about the whole I went round a car factory and watched how all the cars are being made and and that is quite a sight to see. You know everything sort of coming along a, a production line. It's it's very cool. But car designs don't change all the time. They've had to adapt their systems to handle the different custom builds, but it's, I don't think our industry is totally appropriate for that. So, you know, Kelvin, you know, you're, you're from the web to print background amongst many disciplines, I'm sure, but, you know, you'll see a lot of the products that people are producing have got much smarter, haven't they, online, but, um, and, and more, and it's allowing, the systems are allowing them to become commoditized, but, you know, if they do that, how, how do, how do printers add value? You know, where do, we don't want to lose the value. We want to gain more value, don't we, by using technology? Yeah, that's a great question. So the thing is, we've got to embrace commoditization, whether you love it or hate it or don't believe it's happening. It is happening. It's in the market. But what it does, once you automate those jobs that can be automated, once you take those mundane, repetitive tasks out of human hands, which is good for the business, it's good for the people doing it, and it's good for the customer ultimately. It allows you to concentrate on those those more complex jobs, the jobs that need to be looked at, that need to have a human handle, that need decisions to be involved in producing those jobs. And it means that you're tapping into that skill that you've already got to produce better levels of work where you can achieve higher margins. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, you said it's good for the people. So, you know, Ross, would you – I mean – automation a good thing or a bad thing for the humans um yeah i mean i think the, the immediate 
instinct reaction there is that automation, you know, we, we all have this vision of, of <laughs> automation uh, is, is bad for for the humans because it's the computers are taking over and, and it's going to put people out of work. And, uh, you know, that's that's often the fear that's behind that, um, often depicted by movies and things like that, that, that this, this revolution. But um, I don't know if that's actually uh, a reality. And, and you know, as we're talking about here, it, it's it's the, you know, like Kelvin has just said brilliantly there that um, it, it's it's using the skills to concentrate on the added value areas and, and letting the, I guess, decentralizing decisions to a degree. So you're letting computers and you know workflows and um, make decisions and oversee the the commoditized side of things, but um, you know it, that then frees you up to make decisions where, where, where computers can't make decisions, where, where it needs that human input, where it needs that creativity um, and, and the human touch. And, and, I, think and, it elevates, and I think it elevates um, people as well. It gives them opportunity to grow, to develop. You know, I suppose you could say, if you think back however many years, 100 years, 200 years, and you think of something like farming, Farming will have been a very manual process. Um, yeah. And then the tractor comes along and takes away, on the face of it, a lot of jobs. But that releases those people to 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 uh, aspire to something, let's say, I don't know, um, more uh, more engaging, shall we say, and more fulfilling. Um, yeah, I and mean, if you so think of that example, it allowed, it allowed farmers, didn't it, to, to then start doing more than just one thing. So that dairy, you know, dairy farmers could also become crop farmers, and and vice versa. It allowed them to just through the the, the addition, it allowed them to grow in other ways. Yeah, sorry, that strengthens the the discussion we were just saying before. You know, it, it improves scalability, it allows you to achieve scalability, and supports diversification which is what everybody's going to be looking at now in this market. Yeah, I, I suppose one of the challenges that, that they have is you, you need – how do you cater for, say, two business models? You've got your commoditized sort of sausage factory, and then you've got the creative added value side of things. You know, that's, that's a, that is a challenge in, in itself, isn't it? Without a doubt. I mean – when you're looking at automation, it's the commoditized side generally where printers start. You know, the repetitive jobs take away those repetitive functions. And a lot of the creative side of the jobs, they're not going to be done by they're not going to be done by a robot. The, the same robot loading the, the sheets onto the back of a pallet or, or changing the, the paper over. You know, they're going to need human interaction, they're going to need that skill set. So I think there's a fine balance between the two, but you know, these are all steps in the right direction for automation, which is profitability. Yeah, and I suppose, you know, look at where we are today. Um, you know, we talk about technology and there's this, you know, there's this fear, and there's often been articles that technology is taking away jobs, etc. But where would we, you know, we've had this pandemic or we're in this pandemic. You know, Ross, you were saying to me earlier, where would we be if we hadn't got all of this technology in place, if we, we hadn't figured out how we can get, a lot more of our systems and computers to do these jobs for us. You know, we, I think, yeah. you know, you can't, you know, 50 years ago, you can't imagine where we'd be. Can no. you? 
Yeah, if, if, if the, you know, if the one thing the, the the COVID has made me grateful for, and I think a lot of us is the technological age that we're in, because it's allowed so many businesses to continue to operate because of remote connectivity, and so we can remain isolated but still be connected. But also mm. the you know the online shopping, um, just as a, from a personal point of view, that online experience, but. Um, what allows us to keep keep get, keep supplied with food and, and other goods, and you know, get to know your delivery driver on a personal name name basis now. Uh, and but it's that and, and as well. It's the, the the availability of information that we have that when as a simple thing that when you order something that you you not only get the order confirmation, but then you get constant updates of you knowing exactly when it's on its way. Uh, you know, and when it's going to be arriving, um, and and that's all a great example of of, of industry four point zero, I think. And and uh, yeah, if we'd have tried, if we if COVID had happened ten or fifteen years ago, I think it would have been a much different story. And, and, and you know, maybe even the government couldn't have even put us into a lockdown situation because yeah. we just don't have, we wouldn't have had the infrastructure or the the, the ability to cope with it. I suppose, Kelvin, you know, you were talking about the Internet of Things and so on, you know, I mean, he's connecting, you know, just a, a, um, a, a process or a machine or something that's happening and then and then connecting and then sharing that information. I mean, Ross was talking about, you know, where's my delivery driver and so on, you know, I mean, it, that's a, a, an example. And I'm sure being working in that sort of web to print world and the cloud world, that's something that you, you'll come across yourself. Absolutely. You know, being the web to print guy, it's uh, for us, it starts with the customer as well. You know, the customer wants to place an order. They want to access that, that factory, whether it's automated or not. So how are they going to do that? The Internet opens up that door, it allows that automated factory or non-automated factory to be uh, to be accessible 24-7-365. And we're not in a... We're not in a nine to five, eight or six working environment anymore. We work different hours and this current situation that we're in only emphasizes that even more because we're working where we can, with homeschooling, we're catching up or we're trying to get ahead. And the internet and the beauty that the internet brings us, the accessibility, the fact that we can actually get in order to add a delivery driver who we know, the fact we can order some print items that can arrive on our front step. You know, that's the beauty of it. That's that's what it's doing. It's driving that it's driving that automation from the customer side where the expectation to meet up that demand is coming from the production side. Yeah, we have to be flexible and we have responsive. Um, we have to be agile. And you know, there's something I was thinking as well, you know, there's a little bit of a byproduct. Where we are at the moment, we've got I've often read that um, the various surveys that are, are sent out to print organizations. And I was I was chatting with someone just before Christmas and they're actually in the um, uh, label converting industry. Same problem of attracting new talent into their organization and, and retaining their talent as well. And the thing is that people, you know, they want to feel, there's, there's a change now, isn't there? You know, anybody who's got, has got, Sort of children knows that it's all about the experience. You know, they, it's it's not about just doing a job. They want to have a good experience, and by releasing them from mundane, repetitive, you know, almost boring steps, you you're elevating people into the to giving them an opportunity to use newer technology to be more creative themselves in the way that they they look at these systems, and and then these 
they don't, the people don't up and leave or they become more attracted to the industry because it is a challenge. It's not seen as a, as a sexy place to work, but you know, I mean, this, uh, this sort of collision of technology and, and manufacturing, I think is a, is a, um, a good stepping stone to achieving that. Um, so, you know, we, 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 you know, we dis well, I'm sure we could all talk about this for a, for a long time and people would probably eventually switch off. But so, you know, there's lots of things that I think we can, can embrace. So what do we, what do we want to do right now? Where can we get our biggest bang um, for our buck, as, as they might say? So, you know, we've had a, a, a really good chat there about the different things that are going on in the printing industry at the moment. So let's just, you know, think back to those those themes, those industry four themes that, that we um, that we saw on an earlier slide, things like system integration and big data and simulation and virtualization, you know, what the heck does that mean? And the internet of things and, and so on. Um, you know, as I, as I was just saying, you know, what we know more than ever is that industry as a whole is rapidly changing and, and all businesses need to be able to to roll with it, to to ramp up uh, and to and to ramp down um, and be flexible and agile and to be responsive, and they then you need to look at your technology within your manufacturing and then you said Ross administrative you know the whole thing you need to look at that in order to be able to um, to survive and and to make the most of opportunity, so um, you know. Kelvin, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to ask you again, but, you know, drawing on your experience, I'm sure you've seen businesses that have, because of the technology they've adopted, they've been able to be agile and, and flexible in this, you know, this, this environment. I mean, you're sort of alluding to it before, weren't you, with um, certainly with what the cloud actually enables you to do. Yeah, absolutely. So to put that into practice, you know, reality and in, in, in customers who are doing this now, you know, we've gone into this, situation that we're currently living through now, hopefully all uh, coming out of it as one. Well. But, you know, we've got customers now who are using the situation to capture jobs that are out there, you know, job submission, you know, using web to print in, in different ways to get the jobs into a production unit. You've got printers who are looking to access new customers. And there's, there's a negative and a positive way you can look at these things. But right now, everybody is in one place. They're at home. So now, rather than people being transient and moving around the world and being stuck at airports and hotels and too busy to look at anything, you know, if you can access where they are and the internet gives you the power of doing that, then hopefully you can sell your services and, and reach some kind of agreement where, you know, you can facilitate trade. So there's lots of positives around what we're doing now. So it's the new normal, there's bounce back, you know, digital transformation, but things are evolving anyway. They've just been escalated in the pace They've been escalated. It's just it's just been increased. So there's lots of different ways of working now that we can embrace when we come out of this, hopefully very soon. And the Internet of Things, the way we connect, the way we access the Internet, the way we can place orders, everything, the key word around it all is convenience. You know, Amazon is convenient. We don't mind what happens with our card data because Amazon is convenient where we swipe and all of a sudden 10 deliveries arrive and you could sit if you front door now and you can yeah. the bar. They're usually not for you, they're usually for one of the children. And you have to keep up <laughs> the doors, their delivery. So, yeah. so, I mean, it's interesting, you know, we see this term like big data and, and analytics and, um, 
you mentioned Amazon, perfect example there, uh, Kelvin. Companies like Amazon and Netflix, they are constantly, you know, mining that information so that they can present you a tailored experience so that, you know, they're sending out the product, um, you know, they're tantalizing you with things that they know that you might be interested in. Things like Booking.com do um, the same thing. So they're presenting you what they know you want to see. And but that's still appropriate to our industry, you know. It's in fact it's never been more appropriate if you want to be you want to analyze product trend, customer profile, and buying habits. It's pivotal right now because what was once a great customer for someone, unfortunately, might have been a real um, you know, a victim of this particular pandemic, and now they're really, really struggling. And yet somebody now might have, their business might have shot up. So you really need to be analysing your data that you'll have in a probably a wealth of different systems. The vast majority might be in your MIS, but you know um, things like marketing automation software, CRM, that sort of thing. Yeah. Ross, I mean, you'll see this and must have conversations like this all the time. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, so marketing automation is, is, is a great example there. That um, uh, it, it's it's using. Um, data analysis that that can start to help you identify um profile your customers and and understand the trends of your customers as well um and mm. and the marketing automation so so we can start to use that in, um to 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 approach the right type of customers so right now we might be seeing that a particular segment of our customers are um you know not in the market for us at the moment they're not a prime uh, uh, candidate for us but then another segment is is a great customer to have at the moment and so likewise looking at the types of products and 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 that type of activity but I can think, you know, a, per, a personal example of where you can you can use marketing automation is is by then identifying, well, okay, we've got our um, uh, low priority ones at the moment that they're not doing very much because the businesses are short or they're in furlough or stuff. You still want to keep on communicating with them, but maybe not putting all your effort into that. So that's where you can use things like marketing automation tools that that can literally save you hours a day. By by just automating that that communication process with them, mm-hmm. allowing you then to put the human interaction onto the high value um, uh, customers, and, and and you know nurturing them and making sure that you can you can put that human inter- interaction in. Uh, all the meanwhile, still still actively um, uh, 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 communicating with, with with the other customers as well. So. Yeah, it's a it's a really good example, and you know I, I, that that's really helped us as a business uh, going for the past past six months to be able to focus our activities um, on on the right type of customer. Really good point, Ross. Actually, it's almost like you read my my notes here. But, <laughs> you know, you're right. But when you're using the technology that's available to you to do that repetitive, that thing that's very easy to identify and to create a process for, it frees people up to focus on the higher value. And one of them would be to provide an exceptional experience for your customers. It's very easy to say, hey, we're going to give great customer experience, but it's a very different thing actually delivering it. You, You need a person, but also with using technology and we, we see it, you know, we, we, we will go on to 
we all know that if the right technology is in place, we enjoy doing business with somebody. Um, Kelvin, you were saying how it's convenient. Well, it's convenient because it's available and because the technology behind it is is appropriate. But then the great customer experience is when you when the chips are down and you do need it, you want a person to speak to. You know, you you want them to be able to react to it, and that's where. You know, by freeing these people up, you can deliver exceptional experience, make it really easy for them to do business with you all the time, even when there's a even when there's a problem or even when there's not a problem. And you're just sort of providing that sort of little bit of um, that extra something, that je ne sais quoi, for it, with your relationship with your clients. It's, uh, it, customer experience is, is absolutely king. Now, how do we do that when we're not, sat in front of our customers in the same way. I think you hit the nail on the head. So technology and automation are tools, they're processes that we adhere to to do something better, you know, to try and strive and achieve something greater. You know, um, we need someone to step in there and make sure that process is going well and that human interaction, that human, that personal element has a value to it. And if it's done in the right way, not so much on the commodity, the commoditized elements, but the jobs that we mentioned before that need that little bit, you know, personal touch, that, that understanding, that empathy, you know, building that rapport, that, that je ne sais quoi with a client, um, that person will do that. But you mentioned a great point there is what we do, the industry we work, we work within is not a simple one. We're not selling widgets off a shelf. You know, it's a, it's a complex um, manufacturing process. And occasionally parts of that workflow, parts of that automation of different systems that are integrated and come together, occasionally things go wrong for whatever reason that we can't control. And you need to have someone who can step in there, that manual touching, step in there, again, empathize with the customer and address their concerns because you want that customer coming back. Because I've always learned in sales, customers are hard fought for, but easy lost. If you can stop losing customers and just, you know, and retain the ones that you have fought for, then it's a good business model. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and, then as well as providing that exceptional experience again you know we we touched on it earlier that we want to by freeing people using that knowledge better that we have innovate new products new services you know new ways of actually dealing with them you can't rely on just sort of one person to come up with all all those ideas there's a there is a there's a plethora of knowledge in every company that you go to no matter what you're doing and you want to be able to get hold of that knowledge because most people will know They'll know their role inside out, and they'll have some great ideas. But if what they're doing is manually filling something in every day and writing this down and adding this up and calculating the weight on that and moving that item from A to B when really it's the same thing every day, then you're not going to tap into that. So then you end up taking on more people or you don't innovate or you end up stood still. Somebody said to me many, many years ago that running a business is like going up an escalator the wrong way. If you're not running constantly, you will end up at the bottom. A great final point from Keith. Businesses are always moving and keeping up with trends so they can stay ahead of their competitors. So, how do you feel about Industry 4.0? Get in touch and let us know. You can find us on Instagram using at Tharston or via email using inkspire at tharston.com. Or if you want access to the full Tharston TV episode, just drop us an email. Once again, thanks for listening.